Well, we know the Iowa offense has problems. We're searching for answers, and we're going to a former Hawkeye for them. LaShawn Daniels, stop. We talk Hawkeyes, not just the running game, we get into the passing game. What can Iowa do to fix these problems today? You are Locked On Hawkeyes, your daily podcast on the Iowa Hawkeyes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in. I'm Trent Condon. He's LaShawn Daniels, and this is the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast. Thanks for making Locked On Hawkeyes your first listen every day. We're available wherever you get podcasts. You can also watch us on YouTube. While you're there, make sure you hit that subscribe button. Greatly appreciate it. And the overlords of the clicks love that as well. Helps us get in front of more Hawkeye fans. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers can bet $5 and get 200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to get started. Well, LaShawn, that sucked. Friday, Saturday night in State College. And we were talking about a little bit. You and I were talking a little bit during the game. And I'll tell you, at halftime, as bad as everything went in the first half, as poorly as that second quarter went from the Eric Hall fumble as they're going into the red zone and moving the football pretty effectively. Even that first drive, they get a couple, of, they get a first down, get it to midfield, pin them deep. You're feeling like, all right, everything goes against them in the second quarter. Yet you're only down 10, nothing at the half. And I walked away feeling relatively confident. If Iowa could come back, get a couple of breaks that they could be right in the football game. We knew that was not the case. How did you see it Saturday night against the Nittany Lions? Yeah. Uh, very similar. Um, like, yeah, obviously, we start off the game pretty well, probably as they probably expected, um, as I would expect it to start off the game. I mean, moving the ball on offense, able to get some stops on defense, um, you know, kind of slowing them down. And then kind of as the game went along, we started making more mistakes, really uncharacteristic mistakes. Obviously, you know, you get a fumble, uh, you know, you get a muff punt. Like, you get some things that don't necessarily go your way, but, you know, as you mentioned, right, you get to halftime and it's like deficits, nothing crazy. Like it's nothing, you know, you can't handle. Um, and then, you know, you get in the second half and it was like there was there was nothing there. There was nothing going um, both offensively. And um, now at that point, now your defense is on the field, gets to the point their defense is on the field, you know, 30 minutes, almost 40 minutes. So, um, you know, it's it's tough to start, uh, tough, tough to tough watch to really the second half on and yeah I don't know there's a lot of work that Iowa has to do that they're gonna have to fix to go ahead uh, to get to the goals that they're trying to achieve no doubt about it and we've talked so much because of your obviously background as a running back and playing for this Hawkeye program we've talked about the running game and I think we both at least are happy that they're trying different things we've talked about more counters more iso blocking moving away from just inside outside zone and adding a little bit more to that offense, we've seen a little more jet sweep and jet sweep motion. We've seen the things in the running game, but the passing game, you upgrade the quarterback position. At least we thought the offensive line we thought was going to be better. Wide receivers, you go out, you bring a couple of guys in the transfer portal, you return a guy with a lot of experience in Nico Ragini. I mean, it, it feels like the p- pieces are in place for this passing game to step forward, yet 
it's actually taken a step back as pitiful as it was a year ago. Statistically, they're behind throwing the football where they were a season ago. So when you look at the passing game, what do you see? Yeah. Uh, I feel like the passing game right now, there's, there's, there's no real identity and um, it's, it's something that that's missing um, from everyone, whether it's from the, from the quarterback consistency, receiver consistency, play calling consistency. I feel like nothing's really marrying together. And um, when I think back when I was playing, not that our pass offense was anything like, you know, crazy, like it wasn't anything, you know, special, but um, you know, we, we had some consistency in our passing game. I mean, there were some, there was things that we would do to help get the quarterback in rhythm, help get CJ in rhythm, help get the receivers in rhythm. I mean, like you think back, I mean, Tavon, uh, at Vandenberg, Riley, like these guys, like they, they were involved in the offense. Um, it's one way, shape or form right there. Was, there was plays that we would run um, specifically to help get these guys the football, even though we, again, we had, um, some really good tight ends. Like we had Hank, we had George, like we, there, there was guys there that, that, um, that, you know, command the ball just as much as the tight ends do in our, our current room right now. But we found a way to get those receivers, the ball and, you know, really create balance in the offense where it feels like, uh, it felt like then like, Hey, obviously there were certain situations where like maybe it's like a third and short or a third and medium where you kind of know where the ball is going to go just because again, you got to have your best plays for those. But in general, it felt like, okay, like the ball was being spread around to a number of different players. And right now I feels like it feels like there's no sort of balance on the offensive side of the football, especially when it comes to the passing game. It's like, okay, if, if they're throwing the football, if it's in a situation where they have to throw the football, it's going either to a tight end going to a check down or it's or like after that it's just kind of just tossed in the air at that point like you don't really know you don't really have an idea of like really where to go and it feels like um that that defenses are are obviously able to just kind of just uh focus on those two areas and not have to worry about the receivers because they're like i mean they're not going to get the ball thrown to them um they're not going to run a route that's that's really going to threaten us as a defense so um I feel like right now it's just a complete balance issue in the, in the passing game. And it's something that obviously needs to be fixed because uh, you can't, you, you can't run an offense in 2023 by just throwing the ball to your tight ends or running backs. It just, it, it doesn't work. I have a theory. I want to run this by you. And I go back now before your time at Iowa, Ken O'Keefe, the former offensive coordinator, he was much maligned. And you look back statistically, and I think we'd all kill to have a Ken O'Keefe offense at this point in time of what he did. You played under Greg Davis, and you know he was much maligned as a play caller. Now, Brian, Kirk has a philosophy, right? I mean, there's a certain way that he wants to play, and and there's going to be parameters that are put in place with Kirk there. But we look at what happened the last two years. After Ken O'Keefe retired, and we've seen this offense, Brian's had a couple of good offenses, right? I mean, there's been times... You look at what they did with Brandon Smith and Amir Smith-Marset. I mean, they've had wide receivers that have put up good productive seasons. But the loss of Ken O'Keefe two years ago, him as a game caller, him helping out in what they're doing offensively, him as a quarterback coach. Look, Brian has no idea as a quarterback coach. I mean, does, does Brian know the mechanics of quarterback play? No, absolutely not. He has no background on that, yet he's the quarterback coach. I think that loss, a lot of people are pointing to Doyle and the loss of him, but I think the loss of Ken O'Keefe, 
and having his fingerprints on that offensive system, I think it's pretty big. Your thoughts on that and your takeaway. I know you obviously met Coach O'Keefe and know him a little bit. And and is there maybe something to that? A guy that I know is really respected there and you lose a lot of veteran leadership when he retired. Yeah, you know, I could see that playing a part because I see some of the best offenses and and Coach Ferentz's career have been under Ken O'Keefe. Um, and when you have that type of experience um, on your coaching staff who can help, uh, you can help with the quarterbacks, you can kind of help with, um, you know, some of the past game concepts that you run. Um, like that type of experience is definitely extremely valuable to have. And, you know, missing, not having that um, has obviously, you know, created a situation where we're not, being able to produce um, offensively. And, you know, you're, you're right. Like Brian doesn't have necessarily the, the, the original background knowledge of, of coaching quarterbacks. Right. I mean, obviously he was a offensive lineman, um, you know, coach offensive line, coach tight ends uh, at a high level. Um, and but obviously quarterback is, is entirely different, different place, right. It's a new, new area. So missing that type of leadership is definitely something I feel like that's, put a, a damper on the offense quite a bit. I mean, um, and it's obviously showing a little bit like with the quarterbacks, but I still feel like that it, it shouldn't be that way. Um, it, it shouldn't like there should be some type of, like he should have like learned like uh, um, from, you know, that experience from working with coach O'Keefe, because again, you, you mentioned uh, Brandon Smith, you mentioned Amir and then, um, you know, Nate Stanley obviously was able to put up, you know, good numbers in a, in, you know, Brian Ferentz led offense. So it wasn't necessarily, um, it's not necessarily, you know, missing Ken O'Keefe. I feel like that, that is limiting the offense, but it's something uh, that should definitely be taken note of because again, not having that type of experience on your coaching staff can, can limit your production that you're able to provide, uh, you know, offensively, especially with the, person who doesn't necessarily have that, that quarterback background knowledge. And, you know, they're, they're in there, their first time calling, calling plays. LaShawn, you were in a locker room after a tough loss. You were there after a tough loss a time or two. I want to get into what Kirk is like after one of those, after one of those performances, what it is like for you guys as players. We know on the media side of things and what he says in press conferences, but we're going to go inside the locker room when we continue. Plus our picks presented by FanDuel. We'll do that as we continue on the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. Snap into action this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers, you're going to get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app, it's super easy to use. You can jump right in. And get going with a wide range of betting options. Of course, the spread, Iowa favored by 12.5. Over-unders, 36.5 is the number there. They got player props and a whole lot more. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Trent LaShawn back with you once again here on the Lockdown Hawkeyes podcast. Thanks for making Lockdown Hawkeyes your first listen every day. So, a tough loss. What do you think back? First, let's go right here. What was the worst loss that you endured in a Hawkeye uniform? Ooh. Oh, I mean, ooh, 
Uh, <laughs> probably the most em- mm, most embarrassing is probably the Rose Bowl. Like that one. Oh yeah, yeah. That one sucked. That just sucked. And because it was the end of the season, like there was no next week, so that just sucked. Mm-hmm. That sucked. Um, if you don't count bowl games, we take the bowl games out of it because <laughs> yeah, we didn't have too much success when I was in school in bowl games. Um, take the bowl games out of it. Uh, the Penn State loss, uh, my senior year in 2016 was just, mm-hmm. just a brutal loss. I mean, because we come off losing, you know, pretty tight game to a pretty uh, good Wisconsin team. Um, you know, we go, we have a bye week to kind of recover. And now then we go on the road to, you know, a Penn State team that's been hot. All right. They just beat Ohio State, um, you know, um, you know, in that crazy game. And then, you know, we head up there the night game and, you know, really just get, get ran run out of the stadium. Um, and especially like as myself, um, you know, and the other seniors on the team, it's like and we only got uh, four games left now. Like like now it's like like that's a pretty that's that was a pretty, pretty tough one to swallow. Um as a player um but yeah you obviously you, you got to put it behind you and uh you know move on to the next and thankfully that we did because then we ripped off some uh you know three fun wins after that including the win against second rank michigan and the walk-off from keith duncan and just that build up that week like I, i'll be honest i was there i was tailgating getting ready for the game well lubricated before i walked in the building <laughs> I had no thought that this team was going to pull that off. I mean, the way Michigan was rolling, but you also saw early in that football game, for whatever reason, Jim Harbaugh, that offense was moving up and down the field. And yet he said, well, we're going to play Iowa style. We're going to beat them playing their style. And that's not a good idea. (laughs) At least back then, it certainly wasn't a good idea. And you could, all right, maybe we do have a chance in that game. So let's talk about the buildup and what the players inside the locker room are doing this week. When you have those kind of performances, Coaches can go, obviously, one of two ways, build them up or tear them down and talk about how crappy that performance was. What was Kirk usually like coming off just a pitiful performance? Was was it a rough week of practice or was it more him trying to build you back up? Um, you know, definitely trying to build us back up. Like, I feel like like we got like practices were tougher, like when we came, when we would come off of like a like a dominating win or something like yeah. that. Like where we played like great, like like the tough, like the practices were tougher than like when we came off a tough, like a hard loss. Um, it was definitely a lot of kind of build us back up, trying to um obviously like you know, we we watched that tape from the from the game before and you know, Sundays watching the tape, like that sucks, like on a game like that. Like, um, so we we try to um kind of understand where a lot of things went wrong and then after that, we hit Monday where we're back on the drawing board and we're, um, you know, full speed ahead on, you know, our next opponent. So that was the one thing that uh, Coach Ferentz felt like did an extremely good job of was making sure that one game doesn't beat you twice. Um, so definitely get us, all right, this is, this is where we went wrong last week. Um, these are the corrections that we need to make um, this week forward. And those were things that, that we would, uh, you know, we would hit on pretty hard on um, the upcoming week, but we wouldn't necessarily like outright like change how we would prepare. Like we wouldn't um, completely go away from like what we were doing, um, you know, in a typical game um, prep week. It was just more of, OK, let's let's get back focused. Let's get refocused on the things that we need to do, um, you know, especially like for us as offense, get get back to doing the things that, that we know that we do well. And, you know, obviously, 
uh, make sure that we're, we're focused on uh, the game plan and, and executing that that game plan, um, you know, at a high level. You got the victory, fourteen thirteen. Had the safety down ten nothing at the half. That was another thought going back to last week. Ten nothing at the half. Hey, we've been here before in a game where you were outplayed in the first half, but the second half wasn't the case. So we look at this week, and guys are going through it. We hear from some of the players, Kate McNamara, uh, maybe throwing Brian Ferentz a little bit under the bus with his comments, saying, I, I just run the plays that are called. Not exactly probably what you want to see, I would think, inside the locker room. Here's another one. So I threw out my O'Keefe theory to you. Here's another theory that I have. This is something different than Kirk's ever had to deal with before, right, with this influx of transfer talent. When you're going through the Iowa football program, I mean, there's a buy-in that you have to have. There's a buildup. And... You were a guy that played early in your career, but that wasn't the case for a lot of different guys. And that building, and all of a sudden you see this new group come in, these guys that are building gaps and you're excited about it. But when it goes awry, that's something that compounds. And I think it's something that Coach Ferentz has never had to deal with before. These guys that don't have the same kind of equity inside of Iowa football, that haven't had that building for two, three, four years. So how concerning is that for you, for somebody that put in the work, was there for your four years? When you look at it and look kind of at the program, could that be a concern going forward? You know, um, I can see why that could, you know, raise some question marks. Uh, you know, uh, you're so used to, especially the Iowa football program, you're so used to everyone, you know, kind of building up and being part of the, the team for really a couple of years, honestly, before you even get, you know, your first meaningful snaps, um, like, there was obviously transfers like back then, but like it, it, like there were teams that would go after go hard, like maybe after like junior college guys. But it felt like Iowa wasn't wasn't one of those, those programs that that did that. Um, it was a lot of hey, you come in as a freshman and you you grind you grind through the strength and conditioning program, you grind through um, you know your practices, and then you go ahead and you get to the position, um, you know maybe as as a third and fourth year player. Like now, like okay. I'm ready to to go ahead and obviously play a lot of meaningful uh, football, um, but now with the changing landscape of college football, now that that that's something that's got to be adjusted. Um, and with how the transfer quarter is, and especially um, the way that um, you know some players are able to get around maybe the, the one transfer rule, like it mm-hmm. does raise a little bit of question marks because you you you're going to be trying to you're, you're essentially trying to recruit your kids after they've already, you know, been on the team. Whereas before it was like, you're still trying to recruit your kids and keep them, you know, at the university. But with how the transfer portal was back then, like leaving, you know, was uh, was pretty was a pretty big decision because you were probably gonna have to sit out a year. Um, you're now gonna have to go ahead and um, you know, try to compete in another place and things of that nature. But now when guys can kind of essentially come in and, and out almost like, like free agency in the NFL, like it, it, you've got to find a way to keep that, that buy-in throughout the team. And you hope that, you know, the kids that you're obviously bringing in, they still, they have that, that type of mindset where they want to stay and they want to continue to grow and get better. But um, you look at that now and it's something that does raise some question marks because, you know, Everyone was sold that, like, hey, this was going to be different um, on the team offensively, um, and we were going to look a lot, lot, and 
extremely more improved than we were in years prior. But obviously, it's kind of been a lot of the same stuff. And even maybe, um, you know, some of the guys that, that you bring in from transfers that maybe aren't playing as much as, you know, they would have liked or maybe the fans would have liked. It presents another situation like, man, I'm as those players, like now I'm just in the same exact situation where I was before. And now, like, uh, like it feels like I'm back to square zero. So you have to continue to try to recruit those kids and keep that buy-in. And I feel like that's obviously a challenge that Coach Parents and the rest of the staff are going to have to try to navigate um, as we get into this, uh, you know, transfer portal landscape. It's definitely a different era and something that Iowa tries to figure out. Michigan State, they're going through their own set of issues right now. The official firing this week of Mel Tucker, you have that hanging out. This is also the fifth game of the season with the four-game redshirt rule. Guys that maybe are going to decide to opt out this weekend and, and go that direction, even if they ultimately decide to stay at Michigan State, not enter the portal, they can still maintain an extra year of eligibility and, and go that route. So when you look at Michigan State this week, you look at the matchup, we'll make our pick coming up here in just a moment. But with what they're going through here, if Iowa doesn't come out and take care of business, I mean, what does that say kind of about Iowa? Because Michigan State, I mean, it looks like a dead program walking right now. Yeah. Um, yeah, it'll be tough if Iowa doesn't come out and play at an extremely high level. Because as you just mentioned, and they're going to have guys that are going to be opting out, guys that are going to be transferring, that, that are going to be looking for these new opportunities. So they'll probably be a shell of the team of, you know, probably what they were expecting as the year started. So Iowa still has um, – Big Ten West and Big Ten um, you know, championship aspirations. So if, you know, we can't come out and play at a extremely high level, like things obviously have to get looked at as a whole, um, as a program. Even though, hey, winning in the Big Ten is hard. Winning college football is hard. We get it. We, we understand that. But a team going through the things that Michigan State is currently going through, um, especially being um, with Iowa being at home, like there's no reason why – um, you know, Iowa shouldn't come out and really dominate on all phases of, of this football game. So, you know, we'll, we'll have to wait and see uh, Saturday night, but uh, it'll be interesting to see how Iowa um, and the team responds from, you know, that, that game on national television last week. Because, again, this week you get, a, get another game, um, a big opportunity night game this week. So it'll be interesting to see how the team well, we'll make our pick on that game. Iowa favored by 12 and a half currently at FanDuel. LaShawn, send you the games for the week. Take a peek at those as we come back. Our picks of the week brought to you by FanDuel. We'll pick five games against the point spread as we continue on the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast. Today's episode of Locked On Hawkeyes is brought to you by eBay Motors. Passion, drive, patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, You'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. 
Keep your ride or die alive at ebay.com slash motors. eBay guaranteed fit only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Trent Condon, LaShawn Daniels back with you one final time on the Lockdown Hawkeyes podcast. Thanks for making Lockdown Hawkeyes your first listen every day. All right, let's get into it, LaShawn, our picks of the week. We were both terrible last week. Let's try to bounce back in a big way because that didn't go well last week at all. Got to push in the Ohio State Notre Dame game this week. We kick things off here this evening. Now you still got the lead on the season series. There's still three games up on me. You're just dominating. I'm terrible. I NFL, <laughs> I've been the bets have been going well in the NFL, and that's my head above water. On the other side, the college game has not been pretty. And I'm an underdog player. Well, we'll talk about some underdogs coming up here. Kick things off tonight. Utah goes to Oregon State. Utah survives last week. Still waiting for Cam Rising to come back. We'll see if he's able to go this evening against the Beavers. Utah, a top 10 team getting four in Corvallis. Yeah, this is going to be a fun game. Uh, it's going to be a fun game. It's going to be a great environment. Um, thing that, obviously, Utah's defense has been absolutely phenomenal, especially um, in stopping the run game. Um, they've done an extremely great job with that. and. Oregon State doesn't run uh, – I mean, excuse me. Oregon State runs the ball extremely well, so that's going to be an extremely good battle tonight where I feel like the, the opportunity lies is going to be how Utah's offense is going to come out. Because, you know, Oregon State, they're going to go out and they're going to be able to – they're going to put up points um, and they're going to be able to score um, no matter how good uh, Utah's defense is and how they perform – how Utah's – Performed offensively has kind of had some some question marks, especially you know uh, last week um, was probably a pretty frustrating offensive performance for him. Um, so that's where the the challenge is going to lie. But I think uh, Oregon State is going to bounce back. They played a tough Washington State uh, team last week, and I think they'll bounce back and they'll go ahead and, uh, and cover tonight. All right, I'm going with Oregon State in this one. I got the Beavers uh, to get the victory. I love their running style. I love Jonathan Smith. In fact, if Kirk walks away, I would not be, I would love to see a phone call made out there. Now, I know he played at Oregon State. He was, you know, that's his alma mater, but you also look at the future of that football program and what they have with the falling apart of the Pac-12. That guy has done an incredible job in a very difficult place to win at Oregon State. Utah, even if Rising's back here, you wonder how much rust is out there. In fact, if I was Utah, I know they really struggled last week against UCLA offensively. They tried a couple of different quarterbacks. I That's something that also lingers in my mind. So I'm going to lay it here, and I'm going to take Oregon State. Pick number two, we go to Norman, Oklahoma, as the Sooners welcome in Iowa State. Cyclones getting 20 and a half here. We saw last week Iowa State really change what they do offensively. They still try to run the football, and it wasn't very successful because they can't run the football. But the passing game looked really sharp. They got the ball out a lot to Jalen Null. I think that continues here. Oklahoma has not been tested. They have played a joke of a schedule, and they were struggling last week on the road against Cincinnati, which I think is, at best, an average Cincinnati team uh, this season. I'm going to grab the Clones. They played well against Oklahoma under Campbell as well. I'm going to grab nearly three touchdowns here. Give me Iowa State plus 20 and a half. Yeah, I'm in agreement with you right there because, first off, this line is crazy big. Uh, I don't think yeah. Oklahoma has been, uh, you know, that dominant against, uh, you know, some of the, the teams on their schedule to kind of warrant this line. Obviously, Iowa State has had some tough games this year, um, but obviously they had a great performance last week. Granted, who knows how 
whether Oklahoma State going to be, they might be another team that's just <laughs> terrible as well. But, um, you know, coming out and getting a win like that is something that um, can definitely boost the momentum for the team. And uh, as you mentioned, yeah, Iowa State always plays uh, Oklahoma extremely tough under under Campbell. And I see that, that continuing um, this week. And we'll see if Oklahoma is for real um, this week. But, yeah, give me, give me Iowa State and, and those. And he got a little look ahead, of course, so what's on tap next with the Red River shootout. Speaking of that, their opponent in the shootout, Kansas goes to Texas. Jayhawks last year got blown out of the building, but they've had their own successes against the Longhorns, including the first big win from Leopold uh, down there when he took over the program. Jayhawks getting 16 and a half in this one. Yeah, um, I think this has, uh, it's crazy to think about, first off, Kansas, you know, actually being good in football. Yep. Uh, now, I mean, obviously they, they started the past uh, two years extremely well. Um, Jalen Daniels has been an extremely fun watch. I mean, I watched them play Illinois a few weeks back and was just lights. I was just making crazy amount of plays. Um, the I feel like the, the biggest thing here, though, is um, Texas and – um, you know, them up front, they've been extremely well up front on both sides of the football. Um, so that's going to be an extremely big test for, for Kansas. Um, and I feel like Texas has been extremely, extremely dominant, um, you know, with that. And I really feel like that that's going to continue. They're an extremely good football team and has been really in control of all the games that they've played up to the season. I really see that continuing um, this week. So, so give me the, the Longhorns and Going to lay it with Texas. I'm going to grab the points. I'm going to jump on board with Kansas here in this one. You mentioned Daniels, the high-octane offense that they play with. I mean, they need to make this thing a shootout. They need to make it up and down the field and back and forth they go. And we still kind of wonder, how good was that Texas win at Alabama as we continue to wait kind of <laughs> on the Crimson Tide? Pick number four, we go to Duke. Game day will be there for the first time ever in Durham. For football, not obviously for <laughs> basketball. I, I anticipate we'll see probably Coach K. He's probably going to be the celebrity picker up there, and he'll make it about himself because I hate that weasel. But that aside, Duke loved what we saw from them, obviously, game one against Clemson. When the nation was watching on that Monday night, Labor Day, just how good they looked in that one. This is a team that I was very high on coming into the season, returned 19 starters from a year ago. Notre Dame coming off the devastating loss last week, final play of the game. Where is this team mentally? How do you bounce back? Remember, last year after their loss to Ohio State, they came back the following week and lost to Marshall. So I have my concerns. I need to see it from Marcus Freeman. I got to see that he can get the guys up after a loss like that. I'm going to grab the points here. Give me the Dukies. Now, I'd like it a lot more if I was getting more like a touchdown. Five and a half is kind of that weird middle you know, between the three and the seven. And if it does even get to six, I know I will make an official bet for myself on this one. But uh, for our purposes, five and a half is the number. I'll take the Dukies. Yeah, uh, this is going to be an interesting game. Um, should be a fun one. Obviously, Notre Dame is going to be trying to bounce back from a tough loss. Uh, Duke started off the year extremely well. They've been playing extremely well, uh, especially on, on both sides of the football, to be honest. But something that really impressed me, I think, last week was Notre Dame's defense. Um, I felt like that their defense played extremely well in trying to eliminate the amount of big plays from you know, Ohio State skill guys. Obviously, they're still trying to get their – their feet under them with the new quarterback, but they really impressed me defensively. And I feel like that strong type of defense is going to be able to go ahead and um, really keep them, you know, in games and allow them to be in a position for their offense to go ahead and, uh, you know, create plays and uh, do their thing. So give me Notre Dame on this one. 
I think it will be close, but I think it's going to be a situation where Notre Dame ends up pulling away. And we wrap it up as we do each and every week. Iowa at home against Michigan State. Spartans getting 12 and a half in Kinnick Stadium. It's a night game, always special. What do you got for us in this one, LaShawn? Yeah, so, um, you know, as I had mentioned earlier, right, if, if Iowa doesn't come out here and, and you know, let's and dominate the way that we expect them to dominate, there's going to be some questions, um, you know, that are going to be that are going to need to be answered. Obviously, Michigan State, the players that are going to play, they're going to come out inspired. They're going to be come out with probably some energy, especially you know playing at Kinnick at night. Um, but that said, I do expect Iowa to come out here and have a great bounce back game, especially with all the noise going around, and and come out and play at a high level. You see, I know that the the backs are is still a question mark for all us offensively and as well as offense as a whole. But I do expect Iowa to come out, play at an extremely high level, and, and go ahead and uh, you know, really dominate at, 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 at night this week. So, yeah, give me give me the Hawks. Put my faith in them this week. Uh, hopefully they, they bounce back for me. I'm going the other way. we got to prove it to me. And I'm going to take <laughs> Michigan State in the points here. I think this thing's got ugliness written all over it. 13-3, 12-9, something like that. And I'll grab all those points there. So uh, we are on opposite sides of that one. You have, uh, let's see here. You got Iowa State, Texas, Iowa. Who'd you take in game one? Oregon State oh, or Utah? Oregon State, yep. yep Oregon you got State. Oregon State and Notre Dame Duke. You took? Notre Dame. And you got Notre Dame. All right, those are our picks here for the week. LaShawn, enjoy the game. And we're about a month away from you and I getting together once again uh, for the first time and hanging out at <laughs> Merkel's. That's where we'll be doing our show Live on Friday, the night before, the day before the Iowa game at Northwestern in Chicago. Come on down to Wrigleyville. We'll be hanging out at Merkel's. Should be a fun time and working on uh, maybe getting a couple of extras going on there. So that should be a fun time. Looking <laughs> forward to it, LaShawn. We got a little more football, though, before we get to that one. Yeah, for sure. No doubt. Well, we'll get it done. Hopefully the Hawks walk away a victory. We'll be back with you with more coming up after the game on Saturday night. I'll be back with you with an instant reaction podcast, a full breakdown of what we see on the field. Those instant reactions, a lot of times run a little hot as it was after the Penn State game. We'll see how this one turns out. LaShawn, we'll talk to you next week. Yeah, for sure. Go Hawks.